Would you rather drown than get on an ark with Russell Crowe? Answer me this, answer me this. Why do you say goodbye when I say hello? Hello, hello. I don't know why you say goodbye. I say hello. We start this episode with a slapped wrist for Ollie. Oh, plus a change. <laughs> Huh? And I did that with a relatively decent accent that was so much that French better. people can't get in touch and be upset. You are really improving at French. Merci. <laughs> well, this slap comes from Chesney in Torquay. Must be named for Chesney Hawk, surely. That's right? extraordinary, isn't it? Why did your parents name you Chesney? The parents looked at the child and thought, he is our one and only. I see, yeah. And then when he gets older and rebels a bit against them, he could use Chesney Hawks' follow-up hit, I'm not your little boy, I'm not your little toy. <laughs> Even Chesney Hawks didn't remember that one. <laughs> well, Chesney in Torquay says, Last episode, Ollie, you said that the Fez hasn't been on primetime television since Tommy Cooper and it needs a revival. I did say that. But I debate that the Fez has quite recently been back in the spotlight. Matt Smith's reign as the Doctor in Doctor Who brought many things back into fashion. Bow ties. Tweed blazers, well, Martin brought those back into fashion since birth, and also the fez. Sorry, are you saying something? I fell asleep after the words Matt Smith. It is hilarious, isn't it, when our, our geeky listeners realise we're not as geeky as they think we are. None of us watch Doctor Who, not even Martin, who you'd expect would watch to, Doctor Who. Just like Doctor Who. And I think in the future we should bait these listeners more. I think we should be like, uh, you know, it's, it's long overdue that a time-travelling phone box appeared on Saturday <laughs> Night Television. <laughs> Just but saying, like complete deadpan. Oh, you're so cruel, Ollie, and I Why love it. Why don't they make any movies about superheroes anymore? I know. It's just so weird. It's such a rich scene to be mined <laughs> again and again and again monotonously. Uh, well, <laughs> also, Chesney, I put it to you that while Matt Smith may have been seen wearing a fez, and while people around the country have been wearing bow ties and tweed jackets, possibly related to the stylings of Matt Smith, they have not adopted the fez with similar fervour. Yes, I haven't seen it on the street. I think it still has too many troubling overtones also uh, on the subject of hat feedback uh, numerous people tweeted me to point out that there are in fact celebrities who do wear panama hats oh fine of um, course there are i mean there's there's a fetish for everything in this world the man from del monte <laughs> wears what? a panama hat well, when, when, when was he last on our screens i don't remember any del monte adverts since childhood yeah i think it's been at least 10 years he wore the full Martin Bell outfit, so, you know, the white jacket, the linen trousers. And I think, you know, if your job is going around exotic destinations testing soft fruit... You're going to get spillage. You'd be better mm. off wearing something with a bit of colour in it to cover up any of the inevitable <laughs> juice that's going to fall over your uh, outfit. Maybe a Hawaiian shirt. Exactly, that would have been perfect. Maybe he had that sort of Teflon-coated, stain-resistant clothing that they give to school children. It's got to be a sort of status symbol, hasn't it? If you're the sort of man that can travel around the world... Eat a lot of fruit mm. and still remain pristine like Alec Guinness. Yeah. Now, You're doing pretty well, aren't you? If Doctor Who just involved Matt Smith trying not to spill fruit on himself <laughs> for an hour, I'd watch it. Yeah, me too. A uh, man called Martin has tweeted me as well to say that in the Are You Being Served movie, uh, both... <laughs> what? Both oh, it's talking ca- really mainstream now. Yeah, both Captain Peacock and Mr. Rumbold wear a Panama hat as oh, well. how stupid of you so not there to there we are. Right up to date with a the contemporary reference there. What about that's episode 286 taken care of, but uh, if you go... A bit further back, there's this. Hello, Helen and Ollie. It's Dave from Smedic again. It's Dave from Smedic. He's back after a year of silence. Okay, everyone, whatever you're oh, doing right now, sit cl- down. Cl- yeah, th- clear the next minute. Do not yeah. operate heavy machinery. <laughs> Just enjoy this moment. I'm sorry, I've not been in touch for a while. I've been quite poorly. Anyway, there is an Olympian what knows me. And that's uh, Tessa Sanderson. 
شيء أد... أنا ما في مايلس شيء يستوك في التالفي ديفلوبمنت كوربوريشن and uh, my mum was from uh, it's maybe because of the time that we was living in Sedgley and we would she would travel over do the cleaning down the M54 there and Tessa Sanderson she met me uh, when I was a little lad and she does know me because uh, when she got into the Olympics um, I made her a, 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 like a thing, like a craft thing at school. I made that for her. And um, she does know me. Dave from Smedic. So it's not that mad that an Olympian knows a Dave from Smedic. I've never been so happy to be proven wrong. Well, I did not know that Tessa Sanderson worked for the Telford Development Corporation. Well, she um, emigrated to Wolvo when she came to this country, Martin. So she's a local girl. Oh, really? Where's she from originally? Jamaica. No, she went to Telford of her own oh. accord. <laughs> no <laughs> one goes to Telford of their own accord. <laughs> Hello, it's PM Peter, in the eight. Um, answer me this. How come you have to kiss when you go through a kissing gate? Why is it called a kissing gate? You don't actually have to kiss when you go through a kissing gate. You're allowed through without kissing somebody, Although, especially if you're by yourself. I Well, actually, I go walking by myself around my country park quite regularly now. And you stand by the gate hoping to get a little kiss. I sometimes sometimes do little air kisses as I go through the kissing gate. <laughs> I thought I've got this picture of you kissing yourself on the shoulder or something. That really <laughs> or, or your hand. You draw a little lipstick mouth on the crook of your thumb <laughs> and forefinger. Just give it a good old snog. Where you like, turn your back and you, you pretend your hands are someone else's hands and you're doing a big hug. I fire up my iPhone and I uh, do a selfie and I delicate kiss the screen Aww. as I go through um, yeah I, I would have thought this was very obvious why is a kissing gate called a kissing gate it's called a kissing gate because in the action of going through the gate pulling it to and then pushing it away from yourself the person who you're walking with and both of you can't fit through the gate at once unless you're very thin and small are facing each other face to face at which point it is natural to consider kissing each other if you are romantically entwined I've been through a lot of kissing gates in my time and that has never happened it's never been an issue you must have even noticed that you're suddenly brought face-to-face with the person that was walking behind you. That's an unusual physical reaction. But I'm not really brought face-to-face, so I don't need to rotate as I go through it. You do. Well, you don't. You could, you're right. You could push it without looking, but most people turn around to check they're getting it in place and passing it on to the person behind yeah. you. You have such a romantic mind, Ollie. Do you want to know the unromantic truth? Oh, God, it's not about, like, containing sheep or something, is it? <laughs> well, that is what they're for, because the point of a kissing gate is that you don't need to latch them, mm. uh, but yeah. presumably an animal would rather struggle to get through one. So instead of being bolted at either side, it just uh, kisses the sides of the enclosure. Oh, OK, that is a good explanation, but I still think mine is the reason that popularly it's still called a kissing gate. Probably. Because, I'll Otherwise tell you why. Otherwise it's just a bloody gate, Exactly. Isn't it? There are many types of gates. There's the ones with the bits of rope that you tie onto a tree. There's the ones yeah. with the normal latch. The five bar. There's ones that you get in prison. Six bar. I don't know the names for those gates. And yet... What next? The name kissing gate everyone knows because you kiss yeah but when you climb over a stile it's not called the humping post or something even though you are struggling yeah, but, it no, but the Actually, other person isn't underneath it <laughs> looking at you what kind of styles are you going over ollie <laughs> i have i'm having a rare moment of agreement with ollie like when you go through a kissing gate you you are you turn you, and you face naturally the person, interact you? with the other person yeah. you, and you, you can become a gatekeeper and you can you can demand the become kiss. a gatekeeper you can Jesus, yeah you can say i'm not going to let you th- you can hold on to i'm not going to let you through unless you give me 
a little kiss. Yeah. Um, whereas Not with the style, that's difficult. You can't. You know, they could just hop over the fence. You sound like a troll under a bridge, but <laughs> the kisser well, by the kissing. Gate. Yeah. Here is a question from Jesse in Zurich, who says, "I live in a five-floor apartment building in Zurich." Oh well, Ooh. good for you. Mm. Beautiful country, big building. Well that, done, Jesse. I hope there are decent fire escapes. Uh, it's a. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have managed to sweeten the pill. <laughs> Shame if something happened to it, Jesse. Uh, it, it's a building full of young families and baby boomers young families and baby boomers that's every demographic in switzerland then isn't it i mean baby boomers are like 60 and 70 year olds no, now it's not every demographic because you also have the singletons that's a big spread though the bankers you say full of young families and baby boomers all right that's not, it's not really that specific don't shoot the messenger ollie i'm just reading what she told me i mean you I'm, might as well just say it's got people in it yeah all right i'm in a building full of people right everyone gets along and we have a party for all tenants twice a year I also do not have a colon. Oh, now I feel bad for teasing you. (laughs) You may remember me from the Strange Party Themes question where I mentioned having an anniversary party for my colon freedom. So <laughs> I do remember you, Jesse, yes. yes, yes. And I do feel guilty now for teasing you. I'm glad that you live in a nice apartment in a nice country and I'm sure your neighbours like you. So, <laughs> says Jesse, when I'm coming home from a commute or running errands, mm. I'm often ready for a jaunt to the loo. Don't blame you. Mm. Unfortunately, I inevitably meet one of these friendly neighbours who want to kiss me three times and chat. Ollie answered me this, how can I politely blow off my gracious neighbours and head to the can? That is very difficult. Maybe by mm. saying, Sorry, I've got no colon. I need to rush. Yeah, but you don't want to get. I'm going to shut on your I, shoes. <laughs> <laughs> when it's someone that you know personally, you don't want to really introduce that into the conversation. She wanted to celebrate to. it in a party, so I think she's probably all right with having all these friendly neighbours. Well, no, about I don't it. think she is, Helen, because that is the obvious answer, and yet she hasn't done it. So she's uh, the question. Really, the spirit of the question is: How do I tell my neighbours that I need to move on without telling them that well, I don't have a colon? I've got an easy solution. Go on. Just whenever you enter the building, pretend that you're on the phone. And just, you know, do a little wave to the neighbours and maybe an eye roll like, oh, this person's really banging on. But keep talking to the phone going, yep, 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 no, sorry, I'm just finding my keys, yep, yep, no. Yeah, the the important thing, though, is to remember that although you are miming, you should use the real prop of a phone. Also, put your phone on silence. If it rings during, embarrassing. (laughs) Smokescreen ruined. Yeah, true. It's a bit unlikely, though, that you'll always be on the phone. Maybe massive headphones. That's a good barrier between you and the world. Maybe Jessie could take up motorcycling and wear her helmet into the flat. That's good, although but it's an expensive diversion. You don't need to get a bike, you just need to get the helmet. Also, the helmet does double up as a port if uh, you do get caught oh. short. <laughs> no? I'd imagine the cleaning effort would be uh, not worth the squatting. Also, it wouldn't keep still if you upended it because it's round. Yeah, I'm not saying that you'd use it again afterwards, I'm just saying for an emergency. I think that's a very expensive potty. Mm. <laughs> well... <laughs> Shut up and answer me this, come on then Why don't you shut your ugly face I'm not ugly, it's the condition It's no condition, it's the ugliness, mate Answer me this, podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this, podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this, podcast at googlemail.com Now then, seriously though, go back to your own country That's what we're all thinking, isn't it? It's what we're all thinking got a question i ain't got no questions don't look at me shut your mouth here's a question from joe who says 10 years ago i met the love of my life and so far have had a wonderful life together yay getting married only a few years ago that's quite a long time ago yeah indeed and there's got to be trouble in paradise otherwise we wouldn't be reading it Uh, she is amazing in every way talented kind beautiful But, hooray, (laughs) but her grammar and pronunciation are atrocious. Well, so what he meant was she is amazing in almost every way. 
but not quite. Um, I know this shouldn't bother me, he says, but it does. It should. See, now, I come at this from a completely different point of view. Uh, my girlfriend's dyslexic. Yeah. The mm. fact that I have more of a mastery of grammar and pronunciation Borderline. gives me a power trip. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, oh, I wish she knew how to use an apostrophe. I think, isn't it great that I know stuff she doesn't makes me feel good. There aren't many, many things you know that she doesn't Exactly. Know. Yeah, but I don't feel that working with you. I just feel sorrow and pity. Despite coming from a middle-class background, she drops her T's. Well, so do I, because I grew up in Kent. Doesn't, so does George Osborne. See. Although apparently he's been taking uh, reverse speech lessons in elocution I to do that. Bloody Betty has. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't pronounce her H's hmm. uh, and she is sloppy in all manner of verbal utterances. Are you sure she hasn't got like some kind of uh, mouth problem that means her tongue and her teeth can't form letters correctly? Hmm, which might be beneficial in the bedroom. <laughs> Incredibly, despite coming from a well-spoken-ish family. Little <laughs> dig there, I couldn't help feeling. Uh, living with me for five years, doing a PhD. I've met a few stupid people that have done PhDs. And having a group of relatively middle-class friends. <laughs> it's getting worse. I think a lot of people have been getting worse because of autocorrect. It means you don't have to think about the processes of language yourself even though autocorrect is usually wrong i feel i should take this moment as well to point out that although joe does use the correct apostrophe in it's mm. getting worse it apostrophe yeah. s as in it is correct uh, he does then use three exclamation marks to make his point which is not correct grammar he's, is it well he's very upset it shows extreme exasperation but i would say it's a casual use of the form exclamation marks are the worst form of punctuation and i've never understood why we have one in our show title when it's my least favorite punctuation mark why is that is it to make it seem a bit more fun that's why i do the branding you do the punctuation yeah well uh, she has even started picking up local slang, such as ending every sentence with, is it? Could be, is it? Maybe there's a lot of surprises where they live. I guess it's better than in it. It's like a posh mm. version of in it, isn't it, saying is it? Where is that regional slang present? Joe doesn't mention where they live, does he? No, he doesn't. No. Sounds Welsh, actually. Mm. Yeah. Uh, my first approach, continues Joe, was to lead by example. Oh, it's like, it's like Henry Higgins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when this didn't work, I resorted to correcting her. This is my fair lady. <laughs> uh, with the obvious consequences. Marriage and happy ever after. We don't have children yet. Uh, but when we do, I am terrified of them taking after her. Better have her sterilised then. Uh, which would inevitably lead to a life selling newspapers outside tube stations. Well, firstly, people need newspapers. Secondly, is that the only option? And also, it's perfectly possible to get a job even if you speak in a way that Joe disapproves of. Even if you speak in very casual English, you can get a high-flying job. I think that's probably right. I think, Joe, you're showing a bit of uh, your own snobbery here. So, Helen, answer me this. How can I improve my wife's pronunciation without causing more offence? You absolutely can't. And a lot of no these... need to call him that, Helen, <laughs> just because your pronunciation's a bit off. <laughs> um, and I feel very strongly about certain linguistic bugbears. And I know that I have to keep it to myself because it's only myself I'm hurting. It's not as important as other things in life. It's if it's only yourself that's bothered as well, there's almost well, no point know. flagging it up. The thing is, I'm not talking to other people about it because it's my secret shame. Mm. Um, but And also, I don't want to get into a really pedantic discussion with them because right. it's not that interesting. Joe is effectively inviting you to have a pedantic discussion okay, now. So, well, Helen, take the opportunity. Give us three examples of linguistic bugbears okay well uh, i can't Not i can't ones. narrow it down to three Someone okay else's. well we've spoken on the podcast before about people using pronouns incorrectly when they say and i example so, ollie and i right yes if you're saying i bought lunch for ollie and i that is stupid and illogical because you wouldn't say i brought lunch for i yes say, exactly yes. you've okay. learned something from me ollie Fine. i'm okay. so proud give me a second one all right my mother who is a truly wonderful woman uh, is this she, an example of a sentence? <laughs> uh, she, she, she says performance 
instead of performance. Well, that's so, just wrong. Well, I do, I do correct her every time, like, performance, right. and that hasn't caught on in 20-odd years. Yeah. She's probably doing it to it's troll me. It's amazing when you, like, hector someone that it doesn't yeah, sort of sink in, isn't that, it? Isn't it? Yeah. But she also says... Um, at the end of a sentence almost like punctuation if you see what I mean and usually she's saying something quite simple so of course I see what you mean mother it's not that hard to grasp you see see, my girlfriend says and that a lot you know I went down to the supermarket and they had a big display of melons and mango and that and I like it I find it charming it'd be great Mm. if she was saying and ting (laughs) (laughs) I say and ting (laughs) I can be the only one say alright one more one more linguistic bugware that you have I just don't I just don't want to get into it come on one more uh, well, I think you use three-point ellipses too often, Ollie. Why do you have to say about me? I said not me. Well, I was trying to think of ones that were... To make it personal all the time. Oh. This is the problem. You can't do it without causing offence, no, Joe, exactly. so don't. And, and that was a very gentle one. Yes. I think one gets to a point in one's life when one grows out of irritations with people's use of language. Exactly. Or you just you just learn to deal with it. Because or, everything else is so rosy for you, Joe. There's got to be some grit in the oyster, hasn't there? I think it's much more interesting for people to use language in a, in a, a personalised way and maybe not necessarily be entirely correct, then everyone homogenises yes. and is, is grammatically correct. It's really boring. Yes, uh, really I boring. agree. I think we are in rare don't, agreement today, Martin. Don't look down upon people well, because the, they make simple mistakes. Here, like here is the thing, though. Here is the crux of the matter. Joe, I put it to you that it is not the content of what your wife is saying. It's the fact that you feel she is déclassée. Mm. That's the thing. It's snobbery, isn't it? He feels on some level that even though he loves her and thinks she's fit and everything, mm. she's not good enough for him. Or she is letting herself down. Yeah. If it's not actually ruining her life, mm. probably just leave it. Okay. The thing is, though, Joe knows he's being a dick about this. I guess so. I, I, right. I guess from the email he's... that there's a sort of level of self-awareness and humour. Because if, yes. if there wasn't, I would be strongly agitating that she get a divorce. Yes. But what does he do? He feels the irritation. Yeah. He internalises it. This could yeah. lead to self-harm, Helen. How well, can he express himself? I internalise it, Joe. There are a lot of linguistic things that make me sick in my mouth. People writing hun on the internet oh, and not that. meaning the uh, the race of huns. People saying uh, slither instead of sliver. These are just yet more examples, Helen. Yeah. I'm saying, what does he do? Yeah, but I, I've learned to bury them, Joe. I've learned to deal with them <laughs> day by day. And this is why the, Helen's the most repressed woman you'll meet. Well, actually, and it's fine. It's I, okay. I can relate to this on a level of social media etiquette. Mm-hmm. Um, because that I used to... <laughs> I can say who it is, actually. I think All it's right. OK. Uh, so a few years ago, the pre- before I was a presenter there, the presenter on the morning news at LBC was yes. a lady called Susan Bookbinder. Yes. Lovely lady. I used to go on her show every Thursday morning at 6.50 and do a paper review. Mm-hmm. And the night before, she used to tweet about what was coming up in the next morning's show. Oh, did she say, at Ollie Mann's coming on the show? And she yes. forgot that if you do that, then no one could only see the tweet. I could see it. Only could see it. Only me and people who follow both of us could see it. It's not. It's not a big enough overlap in the venn diagram and i said it to her once in person i said you know if you do that it's it's only me and the people mm. who follow both of us that can see that what you should do if you must start the sentence with at ollie man yeah is, is you should put full stop at ollie man yeah it's coming on my show but it's better to say on my show tomorrow yeah. at yeah. ollie man exactly um and she never learned she never learned she doesn't want to learn she doesn't want doing to it out of spite ah no doesn't one's gonna know to. ollie man's on the show ah. and then i just thought you know what she's a charming lady in lots of other ways she's got a beautiful radio voice she's a distinguished professional and you know what she's probably in her 50s she doesn't give a shit i also feel snobbery about people who send emails to a large amount of people without BCCing. No, that's not true. You don't feel snobbery. You get really, really angry I do. I feel like they're subnormal. Someone did that to me a few months ago and uh, someone just replied all and went, BCC, what is it? Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I think Joe has just got to overcome the impulses in himself. I think leave your wife alone. Save this kind of nagging for something that is really important. 
because otherwise she's going to kick you in the nuts over things that are not important enough. But anyway, it's the Easter holidays here in Britain. So here is the intermission. And this week, it's a little bit of the Answer Me This Holiday album, which is available at answermethisstore.com. Here's a question from Dan in Orkney, who says, My wife and I are going to New York for a five-night stay. We're really looking forward to it, but... As it's such a short stay, we can't choose what to see and do. Mm. There's so many options, and we want to relax as well as take in the sights. Well, you're going to have jet lag. That's right, and I'm not sure New York is really a place to relax in either. I mean, obviously, no, it's an sleeps. urban environment. Yeah. It never sleeps, Dan. You can sleep in Orkney. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps, says Dan, we are overthinking it, mm. but we don't want to miss something awesome. So, Ollie, answer me this. What should we do and see in New York? I think the fact, Dan, that you're writing to us from Orkney is really colouring my judgement on this. I'm imagining they don't have so many of the big buildings and busy streets in Orkney. This I is been, but this I'm, the thing. I may be doing it a disservice, but that is not the Orkney vibe. It's the impression we get. Maybe the Orkney Tourist Board is doing Orkney a disservice. But... <laughs> well known for its statue of Orkney and... Um... <laughs> Orkney Fashion Week. Yeah. Sex in the Orkney. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, I would watch Sex in the Orkney, actually. I would. I'd, I'd rather watch that. Yeah. The adventures of four single 30 and 40-somethings in Orkney God. would be much more interesting. Where are all the single farmers? <laughs> We're going to die alone here. Listeners, if you have a question that you would like to ask on our phone line, then this is the number you need to dial. Oh two oh eight one two three five eight double seven. Or you can Skype answer me this. If you like to call for free from abroad. Yeah. Or you or, prefer to yeah. type a number in than, uh, yeah. than key it into a keypad on a phone. I think that's fair enough. It's funny that some people, it's just the way people are these days, isn't it? Some people prefer the touch screen. Anything goes now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Anyway, let's hear who's been in touch. Hi, my name's Sarah. Um, Helen and Ollie, answer me this. What different kinds of catnip is there and what is the different effects it has on kitties? Because I understand there are certain ones that will send in... Send, send the cats really, really wild and some that actually calms them. Would you be able to tell me? And thank you. Bye. Questions about cats. That's catnip to Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> um, catnip, or as it's known by its official uh, Latinate name, Nepata cataria. Catus nipitus. <laughs> um, what, what different types are there? Um, there's only one type, actually. Oh, really? Yes, but I, I think people get confused because, like all herbs, you can get it fresh or you can get it dried. Oh, I was wondering whether there are different types, like there's, say, spearmint, peppermint, lemon mint no no just red, one catnip red kryptonite green kryptonite <laughs> black kryptonite but obviously as well it can be in bloom so it's a plant mm. but it can flower so there's lo- it looks different in lots of different but it's yep. the same it's the same plant every time same old catnip yeah and uh, in terms of the ratio of cats that uh, enjoy to nip on the catnip mm-hmm. uh, somewhere between half to two-thirds of cats apparently are partial okay. Uh, and Coco is, I'm pleased to say, in the majority. She's one of the junkies. She is. Uh, and it's great because it revives interest in things that they've grown tired of. You. So, yes, exactly. <laughs> Smearing your body with it. No, but behind the ears. <laughs> Wear it as a cologne. It's the only way she'll sit on me. I've only got so many claw marks. No, but it's actually quite nice in a way. I mean, you just wish that you could do it with human beings sometimes. Mm. You know, because you know how sometimes you walk into your house, you're like, oh, I'm sick of looking at this furniture. Oh, I don't want to eat this food again. Yeah, but if 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 you just sprayed something in the air and you're like, oh, this furniture is amazing. Isn't that what people are like on coke? Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> you're so interesting. I'm having such a good time. <laughs> I suppose so. It is kind of like that. I'm immortal. So I mean, she's basically uninterested in her scratching post, for example, eighty hmm. percent of the time. When I rub dried catnip on it, okay. suddenly that is the totem pole at the centre of the world. Would it be the same if you rubbed, say, tuna fish oil on it? 
That would be disgusting because it's in the middle of my sitting room and I'd be able to smell that. Cats, cats are disgusting and so is everything associated with no, them. No, they're not. Not like dogs that stink the house oh, out, Oh, let's Helen. not get into this. Mm. Dogs don't stink the house out. a pleasant minty smell for humans as well is the point. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so it's a great way of reviving interest in an item they otherwise wouldn't be keen on. Um, but also, yes, there, there are different reactions. Uh, the traditional thing is rubbing on the plant rolling mm-hmm. on the ground around the plant. Have you got to a catnip plant or are you just using essence of catnip? Yeah, now you ask a question that is fascinating, Helen. Oh, you just don't realise it? it yourself. I'm, I might not realise it after you tell <laughs> me why as well. <laughs> um, we have got her a catnip plant, of course, because and, she's the most spoiled cat in Hertfordshire. And is she always humping it? And she's not remotely interested oh, in it. She likes the dried She only likes, likes it dried, stuff. yeah, which I think is because it's more intense. Mm. Um, I think the raw stuff just, you know, it hasn't been processed and treated and it hasn't uh, mm. kind of stewed in its own... Nippiness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when she, she when she's outside, she'll give it a sniff, but yeah. she's just as likely, unfortunately, to go rolling around in our parsley or tarragon as she is no! in the catnip. I know. Uh, but some cats go absolutely properly mental, like start licking themselves incessantly as a result of catnip, and you can see yeah. that there is a sort of um, aphrodisiacal quality to it. But it's like some people, you know, they go really topsy turvy if they have tequila, and other people, it's just like another booze yeah it doesn't it doesn't produce a particularly lurid behavior but in other people it does well ollie i don't want to make you od on your catnip but here is another question about cats oh my god from harvey from maidstone harvey says ollie answer me this what the hell is hello kitty oh good god we need a we need a whole (laughs) podcast series to address that one i think (laughs) it's very zen isn't it Mm. i realize it is a well-known brand yeah that is basically what it is well done yeah and is widely known for selling such items as bags and stationery etc but how did it originate was it a japanese children's show or was it created by western culture as a big marketing ploy in order to sell units by a company which was suffering how would you come up with that like, if that was the case, if you were a Western company, think, you know what the children of America really want to see? A, a big... poorly drawn character without a mouth in a Japanese style. That looks really melancholy and has the moon for a face and <laughs> a bow. But it's waving for no reason at all. I also get Hello Kitty mixed up with Miffy, which thinks the same but a rabbit. Yes. I don't even know if they're associated. They're they probably not, don't speak. They're very much not associated. The uh, creator mm. of Miffy was very vocal about this when Kitty first oh, arrived really? on the scene. Miffy precedes Kitty. It does, yeah, yeah. But in a different country, I think Miffy was Dutch. Oh, okay, not even the same continent. Yeah, then. so I don't think the uh, originator of Kitty knew about Miffy. Now um, Martin's looking at pictures of Miffy. <laughs> I would like Miffy. Why? What's to like? It's just shapes. Like there's something in the body language which expresses like awkwardness and disappointment. And disappointment. Yeah. Lack of confidence. We're going to return to this theme, Martin, because uh, okay, listeners won't know this, of course. But Martin surrounds his desk and his personal life with a lot of pink, fluffy things that are designed for teenage girls, primarily, or, or preteen girls in Asian countries. Particularly, mm. he loves art box. If you need a reference, look at art box stuff online. So, so hold, hold, hold that thought, Martin. But I want to return to you to ask you to explain that fetish in in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Um, oh, so, no. we'll, uh, but the history of the character in answer to Harvey's question uh, is that um, it, it wasn't created for a show it was created as a piece of merchandise wow um, by a lady with a Japanese name that I'm not going to attempt to pronounce uh, who was at the time and it's quite charming this I think quite simplistic origins was at the time making rubber sandals herself mm. and selling them in a market um, and she noticed that she'd sell more when there were characters on them um, right. And so she commissioned an illustrator to design some characters for her to put on some sandals. It was as simple as that. What what sort of decade are we talking here? 1974. 
later than I would have thought. Yeah, me too. I would have thought a 60s thing or a 50s yeah. thing. Um, anyway, the, you know, start flying off the shelves with this uh, Kitty character on. I think there were a few other characters. And indeed, the parent mm. company of Hello Kitty still has other characters. But Kitty, I guess like Fido Dido or one of those things, just suddenly went mental. And that was the one everyone wanted. Um, People do love cats, as we see now with so many internet memes. Can't get enough of cats. Yeah. Even though you could just look at a circle with two triangles on it. Call it a day. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's how it came about. There was no TV series until, I mean, of course, eventually there was a TV series. Yes. 1987. But then Kitty doesn't have a mouth. So is there any dialogue in the TV series? No, and it makes her inclusion on branded foods a particularly sick joke, I feel. So she was genuinely Japanese, Mm. uh, but intriguingly if mm-hmm. you look at the history of the character of kitty because they wrote a backstory for it because the truth to children is a bit boring well mm-hmm. someone just drawed a picture on some flip-flops and we flogged it for a quid more <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's how hello kitty stuff still works yeah it's more expensive than the other filofaxes yeah um uh, the, ca- the character's backstory believe it or not is that she's english <gasps> yeah, is that why it's hello kitty rather than kanichiwa kitty yes uh, she was born in a London suburb, like Which me. One? Which one? I don't know, but if she was born at Hendon General, we've got something in common. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I, I, to me, I, I suppose that's a bit like Paddington being born in Peru for an yeah. English audience. You know, it sounds exotic to a Japanese teenager being born mm. in London. So that's that's why. And apparently, the name Kitty itself is also British because uh, it, it's from the, the cat in Alice Through the Looking Glass. Alice says right. Hello Kitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the inspiration. That's, that's odd because you could take so many pairs of words from Alice through the looking glass yeah. and uh, it would turn out very different. Very different. When we're going to get a Walrus and Carpenter based toy <laughs> series? Not soon enough. But there are two elderly Kitty characters as well. Twilight Kitty, um, <laughs> Ancient Kitty. Apparently she's got a Grandpa Anthony and a Grandma Margaret. Mm. Now that's never crossed the sea, has it? We've never seen that here on a satchel. And does she not have parents? She does, yes, but oh, she, I, I don't know if she was brought up by her grandparents, I don't care. But um, have, have you ever gone in for Kitty merch? No. Well, perhaps you'd be swayed by the more adult Hello Kitty products that you can buy oh, now. No, no, I'm not it's going not, there, it's Helen. not a dildo with no. it on the end, Well, of it? course there is, but I doubt that's an official product as well. Uh, but there are I official... I don't know, you sell them for £2 more. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the next step from the rubber flip-flop. Uh, there are official Hello Kitty wines. That's a real thing for mad Japanese women. And is it very sweet, pink, sugary wine? I suppose so. And there's even Hello Kitty uh, air jets. Uh. Yeah. A couple of airplanes have been commissioned with Hello Kitty, but I suppose that's no Mm. different to Virgin putting slightly ironised kind of glamour models on them. Yeah. It's a bit weird though, isn't it? Right, Martin, the time's coming. Why do you like things that are aimed at Japanese (laughs) preteens? There's a certain... um, There's a certain... There's certain purity of expression, isn't there? Simplicity to, to like a bear or um, a rabbit character drawn in, in the way that those characters are drawn that sort of tickles a particularly childlike part of my brain. The reason I'm curious to dig around is because like my dancing killer whale or Disney thing, yeah. you know, it's a it's a weird memento from your childhood, I imagine, that you've carried into adulthood. Well no, not really. I, they're not things I remember from from, from childhood. Do they not do faux naive in the Midlands. <laughs> well, I, well, no, not in um, not in 1980. They didn't. No. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, you can transcend your upbringing, Ollie, and be an adult man that is into these things for children. Maybe I'm just. I'll tell you why I'm concerned. Uh, I was reading earlier about the Hello Kitty murder. Did you hear about that? No. Did they make a Hello Kitty into a throwing star and sever someone's arteries? The murderer inserted his victim's head into a Hello Kitty doll after decapitating oh. her. Now, that would certainly give an air of melancholy to the drawing, wouldn't it? And then what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't imagine there was a lot of spin-off merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> the Hello Kitty murder kit. 
In the 90s, I hired a 12-person web team to build and run my websites and I realised my tech dream. Then the dot-com bubble burst and I had to drown them in a stream. Why didn't I just sack them? But now, thanks to Squarespace, you can do it alone and build a lovely website for tablet or smartphone. Enjoy it now, cause in 10 years you'll be replaced by a drone. Just like Terminator 3. Thank you very much to squarespace.com for supporting this episode of Answer Me This. Patrons of the arts, that's our Squarespace. And uh, indeed, they can be patrons of your art if your art is making a website that's, uh, that's it looks nice. pleasing yeah. to the eye. It's, it's both aesthetically pleasing and functional. Yeah, but not not just supportive in the way that a patron might be in the UK where they just benefact money to the National Theatre and, mm. then, and then actually reserve all the best seats for the sponsors and then yeah. you can't get a seat. Not like that. No. Nope. In a good way, uh, because they provide 24-7 <laughs> customers support so if if you have problems using their very easy uh, tools to design a website it doesn't matter you can get them online 24 7 well that's a very strong case indeed and if you want uh, 10 off your squarespace account for a year use the code answer here is a question of computation from joe in seattle who says ollie answer me this why is it that the key command for paste is command plus V or control plus V. What did I do in a previous life to merit these questions? <laughs> Boring things. Uh, I understand that P is already used for print, but mm. what does V stand for? Faced. Faced. <laughs> victory. <laughs> <laughs> the feeling of victory you get when you paste a lump of text into a document and feel like you've written something. I should know. I've done verbatim theatre. <laughs> um, I suspect the origins in V being for paste mm-hmm. uh, are that... C yes. would always be, if you think about it, either cut or copy. Yes. Right? Mm. And I think when they were deciding, should it be cut or should it be copy? I think they thought, well, C could be for copy because look at the X. Look around the keyboard. You'll see the X looks a bit like a pair of scissors cutting yes. something. Yeah. Right? And that is historically then or, how it's or been Or just used. crossing something out. Indeed, yeah. yeah. And of course, that is then something that's used visually and referenced in the crop tools that you get in things like Final Cut and Logic and stuff, right? Okay. So... If X then is for cut, if C is for copy... It's like you're reading out an equation. Uh, <laughs> then it makes sense that you've got the paste button nearby to yeah. those buttons. You've already used Z for undo because that's the nearest to the control key. So why not use the V for paste? Then you've got cut and paste either side of copy. I think that's the reason. I suppose uh, you're right as well. It doesn't make sense to have the buttons too far away from the control keys. Exactly, yeah. You want them as close as possible. Mm. And actually, I- I'm trying to think which key on the keyboard i never use as a shortcut for anything j k and l i don't no do they i don't even know what would happen if i oh, press uh, control k apple apple j will open up your downloads window in firefox that's useful uh in fact i don't do many shortcuts with uh, the right hand on the keyboard Ooh, not in life a shift apple l will uh, flag up a message in uh, mail this is fascinating i don't know oh, why yeah. we don't do more of this martin go through the whole alphabet please <laughs> well, leave none out <laughs> apple is a good one select all oh yes yeah we all know about that one i yeah. like the one in microsoft <laughs> word oh, where God. is it <laughs> why don't i just drown myself right now i think it's something like control alt and a where it turns everything it selects everything and then turns it all into mixed case uppercase or small case Oh. Just ran- at random, is it like a lucky dip? Does it actually do what you want? <laughs> no, you can toggle between the different things. Oh, That's right. amazing. It's, not, it's yeah. not you going, oh, this text looking a bit boring. I want someone to fuck with it for yeah. me. I may not have said exactly the right selection of keys there. I don't care. Yeah. Don't write it. No. Haven't looked it up. Work it up for yourselves. Yeah. Apple Plus is very useful for scientists. Subscript. 
Well, here's another question of fascinating engineering. Oh, it's God. It's Naomi from New Zealand who says, Your podcast is my favourite one to put on in the morning when I'm having five more minutes in bed. Helen, answer me this. Who invented the snooze button? It is both a blessing and a curse. So who came up with it and how long has it existed? Weirdly, it is widely attributed to Lew Wallace, author of the book Ben-Hur later made into the film Ben-Hur. Get away. Well, I think one should get away because firstly, I can't find any proper foundation for this because mainly he wrote books. Uh, and secondly, he died in 1905 and the first clock to be marketed with a snooze function didn't come out till 1956. So why the 51-year age gap of quite a useful function? Well, may I speculate that the 51-year age gap is because in 1956 they came up with a digital alarm clock, whereas the earlier ones would have been analogue. So perhaps he'd adapted his analogue alarm clock to have the equivalent of a snooze button in analogue terms, yeah. but it couldn't be mass-marketed until digital clocks were invented. I, th- I can think of a way that it would work. So like, with an old-fashioned clock, you have a, a finger that you line up and when the, the clock lines up with that, with that it go, the alarm goes off. Yes. So you just have a lever that pushes it for 10 minutes. Yeah, or what I'm speculating is that that's what Mr. Ben-Hur invented, but yeah. it wasn't mass-marketed. But there's no evidence that I've been able to find that he did anything with clocks at all, apart yeah, from maybe admire them. It's like Tony Ben and his chair that he invented, isn't it, that he used to bring to events? I mean, no what one's going to... Re- in fact, no one really recalled when he died the other week that he did that, but he did. He went on the telly and he talked about a special golf chair he'd invented that was easy on his back. Didn't he invent the chair that's in Burn After Reading? <laughs> <laughs> I- I've recently spent about three weeks choosing an alarm clock. Uh, I finally went Good for times. the one that's available for uh, £15 from Tesco by Philips. Let's just say that Ollie is not being sponsored by this. This is a genuine, genuine personal recommendation. Yes, yeah, I had very specific requirements. It didn't oh, need to Lord. take up too much of a footprint on my bedside table because oh, I've only got a little not. one and <laughs> and a small bedside table. Um, ah, boom, boom. Uh, it also needed a prominent snooze button because I yeah. think what's the point of a snooze button if it's not prominent? I don't. I, I'm short sighted, so without my glasses, yeah. I need to be able to lean over, hit the snooze. Yeah. Uh, I wanted an FM radio built in, but I didn't want a big like wire trailing out the back of it, and I mm-hmm. didn't really want DAB because that's put the price up unnecessarily. You're an incredibly demanding customer. I wanted a digital display because I want to be able to turn over and squint and read the time without turning the light on and, and the little luminous paint hands not enough no mm. and i quite like the retro analog look of old alarm clocks but i hate the ticking i can't have the ticking anywhere near my ear right um so i had very specific demands apparently so um uh, but Maybe i would to get a hobby say <laughs> that perhaps the most important was that the snooze button was easily accessible do you remember those alarm clocks that they used to market in say the early 90s that were the shape of a tennis ball or a baseball so when they went off you silenced them by grabbing them and throwing them across the room that's quite cool Sort of, but then you've got to find the thing for the following day. Although, actually, if it's on snooze and it's at the other end of the room, that actually forces you out of bed, which is quite good. What if it's rolled under the bed and you can't find it? Yeah, (laughs) that's a nightmare. Um, The early snooze function, though, was called the drowse function or the drowse button, which sounds a bit like it's going to drug you into five minutes more slumber. Nap is actually what people say, isn't it? People are more likely to say snooze than drowse, but if people say in the middle of the afternoon, I'm going to go for a little snooze, yeah. they're more likely to say nap I've these days. I've never heard drowse used as a noun. I yeah, exactly, but a... why, why not nap? Why is it not a napping button? Kit button on the British alarm clock would be good. 40 winks? Yeah. I mean, what's that about? Or schluff? Is that Yiddish? Yiddish one, yeah. Schluff, that's disgusting. That sounds more like exfoliation. Mm. <laughs> well, all, all Yiddish words sounds like exfoliation. Yeah, that's true. That's why uh, so many Jewish foods don't sound appetising and also are not appetising. <laughs> Helen and Ollie, answer me this. I don't want you to dance or kiss But reveal your theories And take off your muzzle Ponder my query and solve this puzzle It's swell 
good golly, you crazy kids. Oh, Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Here is a question from Neil in Birmingham who says, Ollie, answer me this. How much money do those folks who paint themselves silver every morning and then stand still on a box for the entire day make? I think he means human statues rather than people who just do that in their own homes with no audience. He says, do they have another job to top it up? Or can you make a living wage being a statue? I love that. This is my dream job, but I'm just doing marketing to support myself as a human statue. I've read an article in which a comedian... Uh, as in a street performing comedian who isn't very funny but is very loud and gets everyone to clap mm-hmm. yeah. um, uh, estimates that they make in a week and it's four to six hundred pounds Ooh, in a week so, yeah, okay. so that puts them bad. on something like 20 grand a year um, so actually quite quite reasonable now what you have to ask is someone who's just standing still yep. you know they're not passing the hat around they're not making jokes about it people don't feel no. as obliged in but fact on the- passing the hat around would ruin the act <laughs> of <would>. standing completely <laughs> still indeed uh, but on the other hand, they can be there for 10 hours instead of one 45-minute set. Terrible varicose mm. veins, probably. Probably. So I think it's probably a similar amount of money yeah. in a place like Covent Garden. But they've got to spend a lot of money on face paint, yes. for instance, and costuming, and presumably security so someone doesn't run off with a hatful of money. Well, actually, I mean, you talk about the competition, and this is a very sad story, but um, uh, the Silver Wizard, who works by the London Eye, mm. um, was, uh, in 2011... Uh, clubbed to the ground with a concrete block <gasps> by the Invisible King, Whoa. Uh, his bronze rival. No, um, because he'd stolen his patch outside the London. Line. They were both uh, immigrants from Poland, um, and uh, I mean, they were both actually making decent money at it, which is why they come and do it. But uh, yeah, one clubbed the other with a concrete block and uh, went to prison for four and a half years. Well, concrete block is a serious weapon. You can kill yeah. somebody with that. Yes, yeah. you could. Yes, even if they are made of metal, and, and even if they have stolen your pitch. And imagine what a show that would have been. Silver guy clobbering no. the gold, the bronze guy. Oh, hey. no. No, what, all I'm What's saying the is they could have teamed up, couldn't they? They'd probably make more money that way. They wouldn't have oh, to stand if still. they had a jewel. Yeah. If, yeah, yeah. If, if they'd had a squeaky inflatable hammer, fine. Yeah. But the thing is, I've never seen one of these people on the move. I've never seen them on the tube on the way in because I'm assuming they're not going to cab it. I've never seen them assuming the position I, I've on seen their them box. resting. I've also not seen them having to deal with rain because if you're heavily painted and yeah. there's strong rainfall, it's going to ruin your silver robot face paint what's interesting is that 10 years ago this was a novelty the standing still thing 10 years ago maybe 15 let's say but certainly anyway it's something that i thought happened in our lifetime i don't remember as a child seeing these at all don't remember stuff from before your own lifetime ollie um no but as i remember being seven or eight walking through london never seeing the standing still thing Mm. then being a teenager and suddenly they're everywhere so it's happened in our lifetime but uh, it is a tradition going back to the 19th century standing still apparently european circuses it was more of a french and italian thing than a british thing but nonetheless european circuses all over the continent had people who would be the human statues yeah well it's like the pageant of the masters in california where they recreate uh, old master works of art. Oh, right. <laughs> People dress up as things. Well, it was a different vibe, wasn't it? I imagine that would happen in the bit outside the circus, you know, when you're walking into the tent, there's yeah. kind of that kind of thing mm. going on, it's, hairy women. It's a more theatrical context, yeah. not just people standing outside a body shop. Yes. And also, I've noticed a lot recently who are just wearing a costume that they've bought. Yes, and I think, what am yes. I giving them money for? Just wearing a thing that's uncomfortable? That's what I was going to go on to say. The, the modern thing that has happened definitely in the last two years in London, people who just go and buy a Spider-Man mask. Yeah, or an Iron Man ordinary clothes suit. and they're wearing a Spider-Man mask and they want money for that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm wearing a T-shirt, give me money. Ridiculous. <laughs> Another thing that I think is quite recent, I don't remember it from before, say, a year ago, are the levitating ones. I saw my first levitating one yesterday. 
I didn't know it was a long-term <laughs> no, I remember thing. remember our first. Who was it? Uh, it was Yoda. And I was actually properly amazed. And I nearly did the tourist thing of taking a picture. And then I thought, no, check yourself, Ollie. <laughs> be this cool. Is... Be cool. How, does that, how do they do that? I know. Uh, that's what I was thinking, okay. Martin. They're, they're usually holding a stick. He was holding a stick. Oh, yes. And right. the stick is actually a very strong pole and leads to a platform that is concealed by their clothes. That's really clever. What's incredible is the, uh, the statues, when they remain completely stationary, I mean, it looks like there's no work going in. But actually, of course, you know, in terms of your muscular... Yeah. ability oh. your power of control i'm not saying it's easy i'm no. just saying it's pointless i've heard that professionals who do that recommend 90 minutes max per oh. set and any more than that is too strenuous on your muscles yeah mm. just not moving it's basically tai chi isn't it that's that's yeah one of the principles of yoga and tai chi staying very very still and keeping control yeah i wonder where they do go to the loo as well do they sneak into the local weather spoons in all of their silver or green face paint and just line up with everyone else I've never seen it. Like cabbies. You know, mm. where do cabbies go to the toilet? Where do they go to eat? Yeah, in they a all bottle know in places. the front seat. No, no, they know places. They've got the cabbie cafes. There's probably a human statue cafe somewhere and that would be amazing to see. That oh, actually would. Yes. Why hasn't someone done a sitcom about human statues off duty? Mm. Making themselves up. Thinking of more incredible illusions because someone else has stolen their Yoda hovering on a stick. Who, stick. who, who to write it? I'll do it. Okay, but it needs a name. Statues at Liberty. Oh. Good. 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 I've got a gift. Or actually, statue-esque. It implies it's going to be sexier than it is. Mm. I think it would actually be called standing still in reality. They would be lacking in emotional development. Yeah, to mean like treading water. Yeah, Yeah, so their relationships would be in a hole Mm. and all sorts. Mm. Okay, well, I think this is very promising. Done. And I'll write it up. That brings us to the end of this episode of Answer Me This. But if you want there to be a next episode of Answer Me This, then please supply questions via email, phone or Skype. And all of our contact details are on our website. Answermethispodcast.com And also on there are links to uh, Facebook and Twitter. Where Not just generic ones, ones to our pages on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. You probably know how to go to Facebook without a link otherwise. I yeah. think even if you just type F into Google, yeah, Facebook it does. is the first yeah, result. That's what, yeah, that's what yeah. happens, yeah. Um, and uh, so it just remains for us to say thank you for listening. Thank you very much to Squarespace for bankrolling this episode. And we will see you next time. That probably annoyed Joe, you saying see you next time when it's all through the ears. <laughs> uh, it's like you're trying to jab at him even at the dying moments of this episode. Like I'm trying to, Helen, not trying at. Bye! Bye. Bye.